bid you welcome this morning to our Harvest Thanksgiving service. We trust and pray that as we gather together in the house of God this morning that we know something of the Lord's presence. And what a blessing we have even as we come to know that the Saviour has promised that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he would be in the midst. And we trust and pray that we'll experience that reality even in our hearts as we come to worship uh, this morning. Our opening praise is the hymn 732. We plough the fields and scatter the good seed on the ground and it is fed and watered by God's almighty hand. We'll stand while we make this our opening praise, singing our very best in this opening hymn, please.
singing and what a tremendous chorus. All good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. And thank the Lord, oh, thank the Lord for all his love. The psalm for today is the Psalm 139. Turn in the Word of God as we have done over many years to read God's Word. And I trust that as we come to read the Word of God, as we often say, that it won't become a formality. It just won't become something that we do out of routine. But it will be for the edification and the blessing of our souls. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And there's never a time when we turn to the Word of God, but there's not a profit to our souls. So we'll just wait before the Lord as we come to read these verses, praying that the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. I knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word in my tongue, but thou, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, Thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, and I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, Yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them, if I should count them! They are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Amen. And we know that the Lord will bless. Tremendous verses. Verse 17 says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. Isn't it a tremendous thing to think that God thinks about us? He has thoughts towards us. And the psalmist says here, O God, how great is the sum of them. And if we should count them, they are more in number than the sand. And who amongst us here could ever count the grains of the sand 
of the sea. Innumerable the thoughts of God towards us. Let us pray. As we come to pray this morning, let's just still our hearts and particularly remember those families who have been sadly bereaved in the awful events in County Donegal. We cannot begin to imagine the grief and the sorrow of that little village and the sorrow that has come to many homes. So let's remember those families today and pray that in the midst of their sorrow they'll find the one who is the God of all comfort. And other families who are grieving and other families in our own congregation who have lost loved ones even in the week that's passed. Let's pray earnestly that the Lord will come and be their comfort at this time. Our loving and eternal Father in heaven, in the all-precious and all-prevailing name of the one who is thy Son and our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, we humbly bow in thy presence this morning hour. We thank thee for the assembly of the people of God. We thank thee that we can come aside in these moments and the desire of our hearts is that we wouldn't come out of mere form, but that we would come with the joy that the psalmist David spoke of when he said, I joined unto the house of God. Go up, they said to me. We pray, our loving Father, that as we have entered into thy courts and as we have come collectively together to worship thee, the desire of our hearts is that we would render to thee all the praise and all the glory for thy great goodness to us. We come this morning and we thank thee for every mercy that thou hast bestowed upon us. We thank thee for reminding us even in thy word as we have read it already that thy thoughts are towards us. And oh, what a blessing to think that the God who is the creator and the sustainer of this universe would so think about, uh, upon us. And we thank thee that you thought upon us in our sin and you have provided for us a remedy so that we can be reconciled to thee. And in the sending of thy Son and in the provision of the salvation that was procured by Christ at Calvary, we thank thee that one day we can say with the Apostle Paul, I'm now ready. I'm now ready to depart. And we thank thee that for those that know the Saviour, for those that are trusting in Christ, they have that assurance in their heart that one day for them it will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. So great is thy thought towards us that you've provided for us all the means whereby we can have peace with God. And so our loving Father, this day we desire as we come in our harvest service to give thee thanks for the temporal harvest. We thank thee, Lord, for the promise that seed time and harvest wouldn't fail. We thank thee for those promises and thy word that reminds us that thou art the God of creation and what thou hast created, thou dost sustain. We've come this day to thank thee for that temporal provision in the food that thou dost give to us each day, in the harvest that has been gathered in. 
And we come this morning to say thank you for all that thou hast provided for us. We thank thee also for that spiritual provision, that spiritual harvest, and we long to see the ingathering of precious souls. So come this day and bless our, our time together. We pray for the choir as they sing. We thank thee for their ministry already over this weekend and how it has blessed our souls. And as they come again to minister to us, oh, that there will be a sense of the presence of the Lord in the singing of the songs of Zion. When thy servant comes to preach the word of God, fill him with the power of God, the Holy Spirit. We thank thee for safety and for journeying mercies. And we pray, loving Father, that thou will be with Dr. Douglas as he opens up thy word. Fill him with unction, fill him with power. And may this be a day when we will hear the voice, not only of the preacher, but we will hear that voice of God that comes to speak to all our hearts. Remember the Reverend Park as he ministers today in Larn. We pray that thou will be with him. We think of our students. We pray that wherever they would be today, that David and Greg would know the help of the Lord. And Father in heaven, for Joyce and for Jonathan, we pray, Father, that thou will be with them as they minister the word of God today. And Father, that in all things Christ will have the preeminence. Our loving Father, we do bring before thee today the families in County Donegal. There was no the sorrow that has been visited in that little village. And we pray, Father in heaven, that somewhere in the shadows those families will find the Savior. That they'll come to know the God of all comfort and the God of all grace. Even, Lord, as we discuss this incident with people in the week that lies before us, Lord, enable us to use it as a means of reminding us all to number our days and apply our hearts unto wisdom. We think of families in our own congregation this week who have laid to rest a dear loved one. Or who in the week that lies before us will say goodbye to a family friend. We pray that they will know thy comfort and thy help. And that Father in heaven, the sustaining grace of God will be their portion. So Father, continue with us now. Bless our time together in the house of God. We ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. We're delighted to have the Hebron Choir. They sang last night at our harvest service. And what a blessing they were to our souls. When I ask them to come now and to minister to us, please. The Hebron Choir.
Yeah.
last verse together. There's no good in you in the name of Jesus. Let's all sing together the choir leaders. Jesus, Jesus, what a wonderful name. Sylvia and Diane and to all the members of the choir, you know, this just doesn't happen. Uh, they just don't get up here and sing. Uh, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of time, and we appreciate and value greatly the ministry of our choir. Lord bless you for that service. We bid you welcome in the Saviour's name to our Harvest Thanksgiving service, the second of our services last evening. We had our first service when we had Reverend Anderson with us to preach God's word and the choir sang and we were blessed. So to all who've come, uh, if you're visiting with us, we especially make you welcome. I understand that we have a family uh, with us this morning from County Donegal and our hearts go out to the village of Christlove and to that community as they suffer and have been plunged into great sadness in the last number of days. But to the family from Donegal, we bid you welcome, and we trust that the Lord will bless you as you've come to worship with us here. To those who are joining with us on the various means of communication, whether it's Sermon Audio or Facebook uh, or YouTube, we bid you welcome, and trust the Lord will bless you as you've come to worship with us. Special word of welcome to our guest preacher, Dr. Douglas He's no stranger here in Ballymoney. Uh, we've always enjoyed his ministry, and we look forward, dear brother, for you to come shortly and to minister God's word. Do remember the Reverend Park as he preaches in Larne at their harvest service uh, this morning. Trust and pray the Lord's servant will be used as he ministers there. Sincere word of thanks to those who provided the flowers, the fruit, the vegetables, and those who decorated the church, to Diane and to our team, uh, and we do thank them. Again, uh, this hasn't all happened. It just didn't all appear. Uh, it took a lot of hard work and effort, and we thank you sincerely in the Saviour's name. Do remember the gospel campaign as it commences this evening, God willing, in our town hall here in Ballymoney. And Reverend Park will be the preacher of that gospel mission. As you know, we had planned to have it earlier, but as a result of the passing of uh, Our Majesty the Queen, we postponed it until uh, this evening. And so do come, do bring others, 
let's use this as an opportunity to reach our town. And let's pray what, what the Lord has done in the town hall in the past. He'll do again. And there are those, as we were reminded on Thursday night at the prayer meeting, who were saved at a gospel mission in 1948 through the preaching of W.P. Nicholson. And all we can say is, Lord, do it again. Do it again for your honor and your glory. You all know, I think, where the town hall is. And you can see there uh, the banner has been put up. And we trust and pray that it's still up. Uh, it's always a challenge when you put something like that up. The elements can uh, do their work, but that's the town hall. And, of course, we will have the time of prayer before each service in the MacArthur Room. Just as you come in the main door, uh, it'll be facing you there. For those who have any mobility issues, there, are, are, uh, another, there is another means whereby you can enter the town hall via the other side. And you go through those doors, then there's a lift, and that will take you up to the main auditorium where the gospel mission will be held. Gospel open air in the centre of our town again, as we do every other Saturday morning, 11 a.m., to remember that witness. If you can join us, it's always encouraging. You know, our late brother Albert McCauley used to say that there were three that always attended the, prayer, the open air. There was him, Sadie, and the Holy Spirit. Well, we're thankful that the numbers have increased, and it's a joy. It's a public witness and testimony in the centre of our town uh, some, uh, Saturday, after, Saturday morning, at 11 a.m. Services next Lord's Day, early morning prayer meeting at 8 a.m., Sunday school at 10.30, Bible class at 10.45, and we'll continue our study on the wonders of God's Word. Then the morning worship service at 12 noon, and the will of, and the will of God, the Reverend Park, will be our preacher. The gospel mission uh, in the evening at 7 p.m., preceded by the time of prayer, and the Hebron Youth Choir now, I leave it to your discretion as to what's the difference between the choir that you've heard and the youth choir. I'm not saying anything more because, as always, I'll get myself into trouble. And uh, we look forward to having the Hebron Youth Choir coming to sing to us next Lord's Day evening at the mission. And the preacher will be our former student assistant in the person of the Reverend David Brown, minister of our congregation in Larne. Reverend Park will be preaching in Tandragee at their harvest service, so remember our dear brother as he travels. Thank you for your gifts, your tithes, your offering uh, to God's work. We continue, of course, to remember our brother Ivor, our treasurer, and we know that the Lord has been good to him. Uh, he always likes to keep an eye on this announcement because when you're the treasurer, you always like to make sure that all the money's coming in to pay all the bills. So do continue to remember our brother Ivor and that the Lord will continue to bless him. Our sincere sympathy goes to our sister Anna Curry and her family, uh, as in the week this past, uh, Anna's sister, uh, Lila, was called home to be with the Lord. And to our dear sister Anna and to her family, we extend our sympathy. We've been praying for you, and we trust and pray that the Lord will continue to be your, your guide and your comfort in these days. Also, to our sister Pearly Ross and her brother Sam Wilson, we extend to them uh, our sincere sympathy on the death of their sister. And that lady will be buried, I understand, tomorrow. So do remember these families. And as we prayed, let's remember the families in Donegal and others in our town who in recent days have been bereaved. And that we all will be assured that for us, it is well with our soul when that day comes. 
do also remember that we have the LTBS quarterly magazine. It's available today uh, and you will get them. The magazines have moved just to the wee table in the hallway so you can get yours uh, before you leave. Word of congratulations to Ryan and Lydia on the birth of baby Noah, Robert, James. You know I have a particular interest in this. We haven't seen Noah yet, uh, but Lord willing, this afternoon we will see him and we trust and pray that the Lord will make him a Noah. Noah had the great privilege of seeing his family all one for Christ. Noah might not in the eyes of the world have been very successful, but he was successful in this that all his family was in the ark. May that be the same for Noah and for us all in these days. So congratulations to Ryan and Lydia. And, of course, to Martha Joy. We don't know what that's going to bring. And I'm sure Martha Joy is looking forward to seeing her little brother. Do remember those in our congregation who continue to need our prayers we're a praying congregation, we're a congregation that loves and cares, and I trust that you'll continue to remember these uh, individuals and families who are on our prayer list. Also, continue to remember our Ukrainian friends. It's always lovely to have them with us, and we trust and pray that the Lord will bless them in these days. The pallet uh, has been sent to Romania. I trust and pray that that will arrive safely, and of course, if anyone still wants to pay for a shoebox uh, for £15, including the carriage, to help in Romania, these are some of the, the uh, slides or pictures that we saw on Thursday night at the prayer meeting. And so do remember, there's still a work to be done in Romania and other places that the Lord will bless there. We're also thankful to the Lord that additional uh, accommodation has been found. And we trust that Vika and her family as they have moved into that, will be uh, assured that we continue to remember them and trust and pray that for all our Ukrainians in these days, they will know the presence of God to be their portion. We're going to sing further to God's praise before Dr. Douglas comes to preach God's word. The words of him, 737, Come ye faithful people, come, raise the song of harvest home. Standing while we sing to Thank you. 
said, it is a joy for us to have with us today to minister God's Word. Uh, Dr. Douglas is a friend of this congregation, and we're also delighted. We want to express a word of thanks to our brother Herbie, who has driven him here today. We thank him for his labors, and we welcome to our service. We're going to ask Dr. Douglas to come now and to preach God's Word to us. Dr. Douglas. Thank you, Brother Mervyn, for your kind words of welcome. It's lovely to be here for your Harvest Thanksgiving services. The singing was a real blessing, and those choir pieces touched our hearts. We thank the Lord for them. It's a great thing to be in the house of God today, to know that, yes, we return thanks for the Lord's graciousness to us and blessing us with the harvest provisions, but what a blessing it is to gather as we do now around the open page of the Word of God. And our prayer is, Lord, feed us this day. Feed our souls with the living bread. So it's a privilege to be here for your harvest Thanksgiving services. We're going to read from the Scriptures, looking at Second Kings and the chapter 4. If you'll take a little time and turn up the place, second book of Kings, on to chapter 4, and my request would be that you put a marker in the place, because if, in referring to second Kings 4, we choose to look at another part of Scripture that's relevant to what we say, then we want to get back again to 2 Kings 4 without any difficulty at all. It's lovely to be here, to have the Word of God, and our prayer is, Lord, come and visit thy people this day. Remember Mr. Park uh, preaching in the Harvest Mission in Lorne? He participated in that Harvest Mission also, and we ask for the Lord to give him the joy of bringing the sheaves in even this day. In 2 Kings chapter 4, I have to break in on the reading of the chapter because it's, it's quite a long chapter, and probably by the time, if we read the whole chapter, by the time we would get to the last verse, a lot of people would have to say, now I forget uh, what I read at the start of the chapter. So sometimes we have to compress our reading, and uh, it would be better in my view for you to read 12 verses and have a fair understanding of that passage than to read 50 verses and uh, complain of forgetfulness because uh, don't we all suffer? We all have a problem with a fading memory, and the older you get, the worse it is. That's an encouragement for you, and then some, isn't it? Second Kings 4. So I want to break in on the reading. So much develops in this chapter. It's a stirring chapter, really, and it deserves, oh, much more time and attention than we can just fit in today. Nevertheless, my prayer is, Lord, draw near. Why, the Lord has blessed the singing, the reading of the Word already. We're looking for the Lord to come, as it were, with an amen and bless the preaching of His name as well. What I have in mind is a harvest field. 
And usually, even in the Bible, to visit the harvest field, to see the reapers bringing in the sheaves, is a time of great rejoicing. And this harvest that we read of in 2 Kings 4 had all the appearances of being a time of rejoicing too, except that for a little child, he was taken out to see his father in the harvest field with all the reapers. I think it is the wheat harvest. The wheat harvest coincides with the day of Pentecost, and it then extends beyond that. But the wheat harvest occurs in the height of summer, and sometimes in Israel the heat is particularly intense. I believe that's what we have in Second Kings 4. The child was smitten. Uh, it looks like severe sunstroke, and it's carried home to his mother. Uh, let's just break in there in the reading at the verse 18. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said, this would be after a little bit of time, he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men, and one of the asses, that they may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It's neither new moon. The new moon was a special time of worship in Israel, marking the beginning of the month each time in sequence. There were special offerings a greater gathering of the people of God on that occasion when things were at their best. So the new moon was very special and indicated the first of the month. Every, every month, as it were, people, at least those who prayed or those who sought to walk with God, sought to give that entire month to the Lord for all that it held for them. And he's saying here, it's not the new moon nor, nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. There are times when we can't engage in discussion. Uh, this is such a time. Her heart is too heavy. The issues are too ominous for her to uh, stop and with discussion. And so you see the words in italic there, it's italics there, which will indicate uh, those words are added by the translators to fill out the sense, to help with the 
fluidity of the reading. But, but going by the italics, and that would be doing the right thing, you can see she's just got the one word in there, just the one word, and you eliminate the italics, and that word is well. And think about that. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her far off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? Because Elisha, being a man with high sensitivity, he can discern there's something wrong here. He sends Gehazi with these questions. Verse 26 says, and she answered, it is well. Again, the italics will show that in the Hebrew Scriptures, she only has one word, only one word, well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If I meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again. Lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. As I passed on before them, laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore, he went again to meet him, back to Elisha then, he went to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead, laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door upon them twain, and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth 
upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child. And the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned, walked in the house to and fro, and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. And so he called her. And she was coming unto him. He said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. We'll just conclude the reading there. Going to ask for the help of God this time. How we need God's help. First of all, to have a clear understanding of what the Lord is doing here in this chapter. We need God to speak, even to speak with us personally, one by one, in this congregation. Maybe somebody here today unconverted. You need a word from God, surely. May God grant that on this day you'll start out for heaven, that you'll trust Christ as your Savior. There may be someone here cold in heart, discouraged, no longer following the Lord as closely as once they did, like one who feels discouraged and backslidden to be brought back into the warmth and joy of fellowship with God again. Then there are those among God's people who earnestly desire, earnestly desire the best of the blessings. They're seeking Lord, the Lord to come by day and to minister as only He can to their hearts. Let us keep our Bibles open here and we'll engage in prayer and ask the Lord to draw near. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, take up Thy Word today. Break Thou the bread of life, we pray. Feed our hungering souls, Lord. O grant help from heaven. We do earnestly pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and grace and power that thy word may go forth, not on weakness, but in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit himself. Lord, grant that there may be a word in season. Lord, speak today. This is all our heart's desire. May there be a word for every soul, even if someone has come in. Oh, feeling sure there can't be a word for me, not for me. There may be a word for others, but there isn't really a word for me. Lord, grant that there'll be the best of surprises, that you'll come by. Just lay your hand on that person's shoulder. And better still, Lord, just come and sit in the seat beside that person. Make thy presence so real today. Let thy word be so personal. Let us each one say, now that is a word from the Lord for me. Speak, we pray, 
It's that voice that wakes the dead and make thy people hear. But we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm inclined to study my Bible by chapters. And that said, if there is a chapter or two before or after the chapter that I'm looking at, then I will endeavor to keep those chapters in mind as well. Second Kings chapter 4 here focuses attention on the stirring mission and ministry of Elisha the prophet. And then going back a little bit, chapter 2 picks up on the time Elisha takes up the mantle of Elijah, his predecessor. And that event, the picking up of the mantle, marks the beginning of a powerful ministry, even the ministry of Elisha the prophet. Now, the mantle is an article of clothing, but it's a symbol. It is most certainly a, a symbol of the mighty power of the Holy Spirit who has come to rest upon his servant. And it's a token. It's a token to Elisha that he is from now on, he's God's man. And he's clothed upon just as he puts on the mantle and tries it for size. He is clothed upon with the dynamic of the Holy Spirit of God himself. And that's chapter 2. In chapter 3, Elisha features once more, and he features in a most important way, let me say. At the same time, Elisha is a man in the background in chapter 3. I, I call chapter 3 the chapter of the three kings. And Elisha is there, true enough, but he's in the wilderness. And he's not a happy man. But that's another story. That's chapter 3. But here in this chapter 4, that we have been reading in part, Elisha is there. He's a man to the fore. He's the central figure in all that is done. And I see him here wearing, as it were, not only the mantle of Elijah, but coming in in, in some extent to the, the mantle of Christ. For Elisha pictures our Lord Jesus in his ministry. And in this chapter, I believe we see Elisha as a type, as a forerunner of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are many, many subjects in chapter 4, more than we would feel at liberty to touch on now. But let us just take a particular aspect here in 2 Kings 4. Death is spoken off in this chapter in three different ways. First of all, at the beginning of the chapter, there's the cry of the widow concerned about her future. It's looking very, very bleak. And together with the pain of grief 
that she already has. Her heart is heavy, and she's overwhelmed with anxiety. But Elisha is there, picturing our Lord Jesus Christ, bringing deliverance from the pain, from the pain of death. And so it is with that dear lady. Then there is the child here that we have read about in the harvest field, where he's smitten and suffers a fatal illness in the field. And doesn't Isaiah or Elisha demonstrate there the power of Christ delivering from the power of death itself? Lastly, we have the school of the prophets, where one of the men there is crying out as they're gathering around the table, they're partaking of this uh, feast, and then there's a cry of concern, there's death, there's death in the pot. All of them then, it seemed, were under the shadow of death, and Elisha is there once more in those circumstances to show deliverance from the presence of death. Death is in the pot, he says. It's right here. We're feeding on this. That is sure to be, it's sure to be fatal. And Elisha is there to bring deliverance. It, it's, it's a remarkable portion. When we come to the story of the little boy, how the Lord steps in in remarkable circumstances. And to, to really sum up the situation, we've got to think of his mother. She's called a great woman. She's a great woman in more ways than one. She's richly blessed with powers of discernment. We can illustrate that with ease. Uh, she has powers of initiative. She's a remarkable person. And yet I think her greatness is seen most of all, in her actions when her heart is crushed and broken, when this little child, the very treasure of her life, her joy, that means so much to her, she has set him on her knees, she has held him close there all that while, she has nursed him, she would weep over him, she would whisper words of comfort to him. She would caress him. I believe she prayed over him at that time. But the child just got worse. And by noon, he had died. Her greatness comes out then more than ever. Because when she could have sat down or thrown herself prostrate on the ground out of sheer grief, she rises up, takes the child in her arms as if she's possessed of a power not her own, mounts those steps, takes the child, lays him on the bed of the prophet, closes the door and goes out. She knows what she's going to do. She calls on her husband. She gets him, as you've seen in the reading, to get a servant to come, bring the ass, probably one strong and fit, and well, to make the journey to Mount Carmel. She tells him, I'm going to the man of God. And the amazing thing is with the old man who's her husband, 
He doesn't seem to be a man in touch with things at all. He's saying, well, why would you want to go there? You would imagine that with the child being so ill, in the first instance, crying out, my head, my head, that the man might have been concerned, might have understood, look, this is a serious matter. He doesn't know as yet the child is dead. But I'm saying he should know that there's reason for deep concern. But he simply said, why do you want to go to the man of God today? Sure, this is not the new moon. This is not the Sabbath. We only serve the Lord in terms of uh, regulations. We don't go the second mile. That's his attitude. It would be a terrible thing for any of us to fall into that snare where we, we come down to rules and regulations alone, and we work within those rules, and we won't go a step, not one step beyond that in the interests of the Lord. Sometimes you have to take the second step, or as the Lord has put it in the gospel, sometimes you have to go the second mile, even for the Lord. Let, let there be no holding back. When David said, oh, God forbid that I would offer unto the Lord that which cost me nothing, why, that statement in itself deserves to be considered by the Christian. If you want to lay your whole life on the altar, if you mean to go through with God, you will expect then that you may be put about, there may be difficulties, there may be sacrifices entailed in what you do, but no sacrifice is too great for Him. We don't want to live by regulation by legalities, to such a degree that we never do the extra for the Lord. So it's rather sad to hear him say that. He should have known, in my view, he should have known to say, are you going to ask the man of God about the child? But he doesn't. It seems as if there's a blind spot there. And if there's reason for us to look inquiringly into this chapter, and there is, Maybe that's an area to pray about. Lord, save me from appearing to be hardened, as, as is the case here. You would think the man was so hardened that he doesn't care. He's so wrapped up in the business of the field and the reapers and getting in the sheaves that he doesn't have concern about his child. You would imagine that. I think we would go too far to say he didn't care, but that's the way it comes across. We don't want to mess out with God. This mother is animated. She has a heart full of compassion. And she says, I'm going to the man of God. God put that in her heart. That's an amazing thing. We could well have expected her to sit down in in the heaviness of heart that she had, the grief, the shock, the child is dead, to be so overwhelmed she couldn't lift her face or move one inch. But that's not the case. She's moved to go at once to Mount Carmel. We don't know how far that was away. We know she's the woman of Shunem. We know where Shunem is. We know where Mount Carmel is. And those tours that I was privileged to have a part in, to go to the land of Israel, I think, I do think on every occasion, as best I can remember, we always took time to have the group pause. And I would say, look yonder, 
and there is a little village just across the valley. You can see it ever so clearly. And I say, there's Shunem. Think of the great woman of Shunem. And look yonder, because from our point of view, you could see Mount Carmel. And it was the easy thing to say, that's where Elisha was, in Mount Carmel. And she's somewhere in the vicinity of Shunem. Now she's a farmer's wife. The farm, therefore, is not in the town of Shunem, but somewhere in that region. And we don't know where, naturally, where her farm was, how near, actually, she was to Mount Carmel. But at a guess, it, it could be 10 miles. It could be 8 miles. I, I'm thinking that way. And for her to get this animal, she's going to ride all the way, part of the way over rough ground. How long will it take it to, her to get there? In the intense heat of the summer, a body will decompose very, very quickly. It's all down to, to time. And she knows that. And she will not allow for conversation to develop anywhere along the way. We must get this matter seen to immediately. And that's why she's saying to the servant, don't be slacking for me. Don't say, well, here's the lady of the house. I must take care of her. She said, ride on, drive on. She has that passion put now into every utterance she makes. Drive on, and don't slack for me unless I bid thee. And the Lord doesn't tell us everything. But she's going at all speed. Remember, the sun is just beating down with scorching heat. And therefore, the ground is dry and powdery. And if this animal is really beating up the miles, then Elisha, seeing her from uh, his position on the mountain, seeing her at a distance, the way she is yonder, he could recognize her. He has, he has powerful discernment himself, and there's nothing wrong with his eyesight, that's for sure. He said, yonder is that Shunammite. And no doubt from the animal's hooves, as they were speeding on, the dust, the cloud of dust was rising up to the sky. He could see she's in a hurry. This is not a casual affair. There's something wrong then. That's the way I read this. He's right. He has Gehazi intervene. First of all, Gehazi, run you down there and meet her. And ask her these questions. And we have outlined the questions there for you in the course of the reading. Again, she can't answer him. Between you and me, I don't think she has much time for Gehazi. I much confidence in him, so she just said, well, well, leave it. And in the Hebrew, that's a well-known word translated well. Everybody here, or nearly everybody here, would know it. It's the word shalom, meaning in this case, shalom means peace. Well, she wasn't saying, give me peace. But I think she was saying by this, just let it be, let it be. That's what she said to her husband, shalom, let it be. Not another word, just the one word, shalom. It was used as a greeting in Israel. 
It's also used as a word of farewell. Shalom, shalom. Shalom when I meet you. Shalom when it's goodbye. May you have God's peace. But she won't answer Gehazi. Up to the mountain. By this time, Elisha is making his way down at a slower pace. And she grasps him by the feet. And Gehazi, who, who doesn't want her to disrespect God's servant, seeks to push her away. It's the wrong thing. And Elisha, just like our Savior, said, Let her alone. Let her be. Because, like our Savior, he feels for the heart that is crushed and broken. And our dear Lord has feelings for you. Whatever your circumstances today, and these circumstances vary in such detail, given everyone who's here. But I have prayed today, and you have prayed, I'm sure, that the Lord, in stopping by this day, might just come to your seat. That he himself might just sit with you. And he can say to all the things that will harass you and intervene and disturb your thoughts, he will say, let her be, let him be. And this is the time when, like her, she just held him by his feet. And for a time, she could not utter one word. And I would say she communicated a great deal just by holding on to his feet, holding on to him, until he realizes it's the child. Immediately, dispatches Gehazi, here's my staff. Go you and lay that staff on the face of the child. And away Gehazi, as a young fellow, he can run that distance. Away he goes. And he will meet them on the way as they journey towards Shunem with the staff in his hand. We'll just hurry through now with how it develops because I think there is a message in how the prophet was used of God to raise the child to life again. Just what takes place there? Elisha mounts those steps, goes into that room, shuts the door. He walks about. He's praying. He stretches himself upon the child. It takes a lot of time. And still, Elisha holds on to God until eventually there's happiness, there's joy, there's deliverance from the power of death. Oh, the victory that Christ can bring. There are lessons for us that we just try to bring in today because while the account here stirs our hearts and blesses our souls, yet surely there are practical things we can think about developing out of what we've read. Take Elisha there. Elisha said to Gehazi when the woman held him by the feet, he said, her, her heart is vexed. There's something beyond 
our, our knowledge here. Evidently, a crushing blow has been experienced by this dear lady. He says, the Lord hasn't told me. So, men and women, it was the normal thing, as you might guess anyway, for the prophet of God to learn ahead of time. I will send you such and such a person today, and that person uh, is in these circumstances, is, is afflicted this way or that way, and you will know. But now, Elisha's taken by surprise. It's a kind of emergency, and the woman is distracted. And now he himself knows, since the Lord hasn't told him, he's at a loss to know what exactly has happened. He knows this is a heart-crushing, life-destroying blow the woman has suffered. He, he guesses that much for sure, and his first thought will be, it must be the child. Well, Alicia says, the Lord has hid his face from me. And I believe that's a point for us to give attention to before we rise and go to our places why did the Lord hide his face from Elisha? It can't be that Elisha is out of touch with God, for that's not the case. This is a remarkable miracle that the child is raised to life. That shows, yes, the prophet is in touch with God. So the Lord had some purpose in hiding from Elisha the events of the day, whereby Elisha is taken by surprise and in an emergency, we might say in the human sense, he, he doesn't know what to do. And moment by moment, he's seeking to interpret the ways of the Lord. And the Christian may be in those circumstances. You may meet with a situation that's just beyond you, and you're totally unprepared for it. And you hardly know where to turn or what to do or what to say. Uh, this chapter here, this incident is ready-made so that we can... Settle ourselves. Looking into these verses, we can say if the prophet Elisha was there and was caught on the wrong foot, not knowing what exactly has taken place, something dreadful has happened, that's for sure. But I don't know where to turn, what to do, what to say. That may, that may come to you. And therefore, the Lord withheld that information from Elisha beforehand and hid his face from the prophet of God. And there is a time when the Christian may feel also, has the Lord hidden his face from me? It would be a terrible thing if that were to occur. And let me say then, with that in mind, we need to maintain our times of communion with God do not let one day pass without turning to the Lord in prayer and turning to His Word for counsel and direction. It's more necessary now than ever it was, I feel, for us to say in the words of Proverbs, Lord, in all our ways, let us acknowledge Thee, and Thou shalt direct our paths. It's a terrible thing if the Lord were to hide His face from us as a group of God's people. Think of our church, even our congregations. Think of the state of Northern Ireland today. Maybe we're at the crossroads. 
if the Lord should hide his face from us in our prayer times at home with the Word of God lying open in front of us or in our public prayer meetings too, if the Lord should hide his face from us, what could we say? Mind you, when you and I think of how things have developed in this country, it would be good reason for God to hide his face. And maybe that's our fear already. What about this nation? Transgressing so openly, trampling underfoot God's holy word, treating the word of God with contempt, treading the things of God underfoot. Is there not reason for us to have that fear that God might have withdrawn his presence or hidden his face from us? And if that were to be the case, and God's people then may suffer accordingly because we're here in this country, what shall we do in such circumstances? That's why I say we need to maintain personal communion with God more than ever. There is a need more than ever before, I believe, for us to come before God and to seek His face. And let us, in the first instance, say, Lord, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Let us be restored. Let us take care about this. Oh, it's good to hear all singing today, the choir members, young people, and those who are a bit older, singing unto the Lord, it stirred our hearts. But would there be a danger of you that you might have left the first love? then we've got to say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Let us be clear about that. And furthermore, you could pray as the psalmist did, and I feel I must, I must draw your attention to this. For example, Psalm 27, verse 9, I'll just read you the words. Psalm 27, don't we know it so well? Psalm 27, verse 9, would say, hide not thy face far from me. So, I have raised the possibility that God might hide his face from this nation. And consequently, because we are living in this country, we may suffer in some ways from the withdrawing of God's presence. But we're entitled to pray along these lines, hide not thy face from me. The psalmist is saying there, hide not thy face far from me. Don't let there be a great distance, Lord, between me and thee. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. And there he's looking back into the past. Undoubtedly, he can say, I can see the hand of God there in mercy in my life. Thou hast been my help. No question about it. That's like getting a foot in the door. If the Lord was going to close the door on us and shut us out, it's like getting a foot in the door to be able to say to him in this prayer, Lord, thou hast been, thou hast been, thou hast been my help. That's for sure. Well, then we can bring this prayer. Leave me not, 
Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. That's what the Christian can do. And even if, apart from what we may say of this country, even if sometimes you drift into, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, Apathy would be too strong a word, but somehow you haven't felt God's presence the way you did, say, a month ago or a year ago. You get that feeling by times because we're subject to change. Then, this is the prayer. I want you to take that to heart. Maybe you should make a note of it, Psalm 27, verse 9, and make that a personal prayer. Hide not thy face from me. Don't you, don't you desire today even to think of yourself as a Christian? Don't you desire today to occupy that place with God where there's nothing between? There's nothing between you and the Savior. Not a cloud between. Hide not thy face far from me. That's exceedingly important. Allow me to read from Psalm 102, verses 1 and 2. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Oh, here we can uh, certainly... Learn from Second Kings 4. That day of trouble came to the great woman. A day of trouble may come to us. Hide not thy face far from me in such a day. Incline thine ear unto me. In the day that I call, answer me speedily. And later on in that psalm you have the marvelous words, God shall arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yea, the set time has come. I hadn't intended at the start, but I think I have to, I have to refer you to Psalm 143. And it, it covers the same line. Oh, there's a whole string of references in the Psalms concerning God hiding His face. It's very interesting to look them up. But, but I feel here in Psalm 143, in verse 7, he he says, Hear me speedily, O Lord, my my spirit faileth. That's a time of weakness. We spoke of the crushing, the heart-crushing grief of the great woman of Shunem. It's just as if she's speaking here, My spirit faileth, hide not thy face from me. In such an hour of crisis, calamity, you don't want to lose sight of the Savior. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. That's a great prayer for you when things are not right. And some of us I'll have to say in a special way, we've just come through the mill lately. It's been very difficult. Things have been just turned completely upside down. This is a time especially when you need to be able to look into his face. When you have that closeness established between you and the Lord and not allow circumstances or sorrow or difficulty or the burden of soul you have to bear, not to allow anything to get in between you and the Lord. The woman wouldn't let him go. She wouldn't go with Gehazi. 
She said, no, no, I'm not going to let you go. And Elisha had to go to Shunem. I say he pictures the Savior, and in our helplessness, our utter helplessness, we want to get a hold of him by the feet and say, Lord, don't leave me. I must have the Savior with me. And that's the word we want to close with today, singing from this hymn. It's so appropriate, 423, because the child of God walking uh, a difficult path, walking a lonely path, being buffeted as Paul was by the very messenger of Satan. Well, in the midst of these afflictions, the hymn writer just hits the nail on the head. I must have the Savior with me, for I dare not walk alone. It's this hymn. We'll just sing the first two verses of the hymn, 423, and we'll stand while we sing. prayer. Has the Lord spoken to your heart? Are you a child of God? Do you know the Lord as your Savior? This would be a great day to come to know him. Don't let anything get between you and the Lord. What about the child of God? Can you say, Lord, hide not thy face far from me? And we pray, as it were, we want to be looking into his face. When we're reading the Bible, we want to see the face of Christ there, as it were, to meet with him, even now. Lord, hear prayer today. Minister to our hearts. Keep us in the right place with thee. 
We can pray certainly like the psalmist, Hide not thy face far from me. Thou hast been my help. Lord, without a doubt we can say that. Be our help today then. Be our help through this whole day, right through tonight, tomorrow. Those days we fear. Lord, we, we cry out to thee concerning them. We say like the psalmist, Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation. Thank you for that, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one now and always. Amen.